You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is longtime favorite, never out of style, never out of... This is not working, but he does, Jonathan Strickland. <laughs> wow. That's, that's possibly the second greatest introduction I have ever received. Thank you, Ariel. And in return... I have a question for you. Oh, yay, a question. So, Ariel, as always, I start this episode with a question. I did not uh, think this one up ahead of time because I just realized that, wait, that's something I'm supposed to do. So here's, <laughs> here's, your, here's your off-the-cuff question. If you could inhabit any classic television series like you are living in the world of that TV series. And I'm talking about a series from, say, the late 80s or earlier. Which one would you pick? Uh, I'm going to go with the easy answer and, you know, not a lot of thought put into this, but probably I love Lucy because I got red hair and she's got red hair and she's a goofball and I'm a goofball. So it just seems like an easy transition and fit. What about you? Well, if I'm going to live in any nostalgic television series, it's going to be WKRP in Cincinnati because I've already got the job skills to talk on the microphone and be a DJ. And uh, it'd be it'd be an easy transition, plus some pretty awesome tunes 
in that era. And, uh, you know, it, it, as long like Dr. Johnny Fever's got the night shift. So today we've got our our roundup of news in the geek sphere. And we start off with something that is equally absurd and I guess not not so much shocking as it is like, well, of course they did. So what is that, Ariel? All right. So KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, has come out with a gaming console. And I thought at first that this was a huge old joke, especially after they came out with their Colonel Sanders love short film early this Christmas season. Yeah, recipe for and seduction. Yes, with Mario Lopez playing the colonel. But I should have known because KFC really likes to shoot for the fences. Is that how that phrase goes? <laughs> shoot for the moon, aim, you know, aim for the fences, something like that. Something like that. Anyhow, uh, you know, with, with the KFC Double Down, they they like to experiment and have fun. And uh, this time they're having fun with a game console. So it is a gaming device that uh, also has a chamber to keep your KFC chicken warm, which I will say is a good thing because KFC chicken, once it gets cold and you have to reheat it, is not fantastic. But it's better, also, to, better to just eat it cold. Oh, no. Ooh, ah, the cold, fresh cold fried and hot chicken. and crispy, or n- not KFC. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when they're hot and they're fresh, they're good. After that, I'm picky about reheating my chicken, so it's it's a thing. But, uh, but also, fried chicken is not really a great gaming snack, because it gets your fingers all oily, and then you're touching whatever controls that you're using. And so, uh, you know, it's interesting. It says that it's cross-platform, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> so I, I'm pretty sure that we would just call this a like a gaming PC. Like this That's is what I thought. This is just a gaming rig. It's not like it's an Xbox or a PlayStation, which arguably those are also at this point more or less just very specialized gaming computers. Mm-hmm. And a um, couple of things on uh, that I would think of is that one, it does sound like it's a pretty powerful machine based on, on the specs that have been released Two, we don't know if or when this thing will ever be available for purchase. It may very well be that there is one, it exists, but it'll never become a commercial product. That's a possibility. Or two, when it does become available, if it does, we don't know how much it's going to cost. And three, My main thought was that this, like you were saying, fried chicken and video games, not a great combination, not just because it gets your fingers all greasy, but if you've ever had to clean out like an oven or anything where you've been cooking greasy food, it leaves that film over Mm -hmm. everything. And I would imagine like, even though I know the airflow for this device is to pull air away from the electronic components up through the chamber where the chicken is and then out through the top, I would be worried about that buildup of, of oily residue affecting the electronics below and drastically reducing the useful life of that particular piece of hardware. I say that as the host of a tech podcast, it just doesn't sound like a good idea to me. Moving on, our next story is that uh, we heard recently that some of James Doohan's remains, that, that is the actor who played the original Scotty on Star Trek, the original series, uh, some of them have ended up aboard the International Space Station and have actually been up there for uh, more than a decade now. And this story goes along with the fact that he wanted to have his remains uh, 
shot into space, you know, sort of a sort of a, a nod to him as his role in a very popular science fiction franchise. And one part of his remains, his cremated remains, were in a rocket that failed to reach orbit. So that one did not quite make it into space. Another was um, pushed out the airlock of, of a oh. spacecraft, but that meant it just eventually deorbited and burned up on reentry. The third, though, appears to have been smuggled aboard the International Space Station by Richard Garriott, who is also known as Lord British, the creator of the Ultima series of computer games, who in 2008 was one of a a very small number of private citizens who ever got a chance to visit the International Space Station. He paid about $30 million to do it. And uh, as a favor to one of James Doohan's relatives, he brought with him a plaque that had James Dewan on it and a little bit of his remains and then hid it below the floorboards of part of the International Space Station. So since 2008, Scotty's remains are part of it, have been aboard the International Space Station. Um, don't know if it's going to stay up there now, but that was something I read today. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not too mad by it. like. That's, I'm fine with it. A weird thing, nonetheless. And we thought we would open this show with a couple of weird notes, but the rest are are some pretty straightforward things, and it starts to kind of tie into some of the other stuff we'll talk about in this episode. One is that we now know what Warner Brothers' strategy is going to be moving forward after 2021. We already reported about how the company is going to release all of its 2021 uh, movies simultaneously to theaters and to the uh, HBO Max streaming service. But that's not what's going to happen after that, right? No, well, maybe for 2022, we don't know. But in 2023, they're planning on releasing their movies in theaters once again. I know that in a previous episode, we worried that theaters might be going by the wayside. And I say I, I say worried because Jonathan and I both like a movie theater experience sometimes. Uh, but it seems like the the studios, whether it's due to uh, production companies saying, no, please don't just release us on streaming or whether they are really banking on the, the movie theater industry rebuilding, are planning on still using movie theaters. And I'm happy about it. I, I'm happy about it, too. And, and as we've kind of alluded to in previous episodes this might be, this probably is, a necessity if we expect to get the same kind of films that we've become used to over the last couple of decades. Because without those box office returns, you don't have the financial incentive to produce blockbuster movies, not at the budgets that we've been seeing. So without the movie theaters, movies are not going to be the same. So I, I think this is more good than bad, but it does mean that they're counting on movie theaters having a major comeback. I mean, that being said, you know, Wonder Woman 84 released this Christmas, and despite not having a big box office opening, uh, they are already in plans to make a third one. Yep, it's already been greenlit. The film uh, pulled in $16.7 million upon its debut, which Again, if you look at <laughs> recent blockbuster releases from like 2019 or earlier, that that would be considered a colossal failure most yeah. years. But in a year yeah. where many theaters are are shut down, like there are entire theater chains that are shut down, 
Uh, and a lot of people are quarantining at home. $16.7 million is nothing to, to sneeze at. So yeah, uh, we know that Patty Jenkins has been signed to direct the third film. So just as she did the first two. Uh, and both of us have seen Wonder Woman 84 at this point. We have, yes. Ariel, do you want to give like a, a non-spoilery reaction to what you felt about the movie? Sure. The opening was, <laughs> this is going to be super vague. The opening was better than I expected. I had seen like a little, you, they released uh, the opening clip from Wonder Woman on YouTube prior to the movie releasing. Uh, and it was okay, but when I watched the clip in its entirety, as opposed to what had just been released on YouTube, I got very excited. Um, I think all of the characters really committed to the roles they were playing. And of course, you know, going in as, as a bit of a comic superhero, supervillain nerd, I knew who all the characters were and I knew some of their history outside of this movie. And so I was able to connect with that for people who, like some of my, my family who have seen the movie, who... Um, weren't really familiar with who Robert Minerva was or, or Max Lord, Maxwell Lord, you know, the reveals for them kind of came too late in the movie mm -hmm. for them. Like it didn't quite have the pacing for growth that someone coming in fresh would need. And for me, it just felt like there were some really fantastic moments and there was some really great character work, but plot wise, I felt like, they jumped, especially in the last third of the movie, from point A to point C without a lot of interconnecting tissue between the points. And so for me personally, I enjoyed it. But if I think about it too hard, it falls a little flat. Yep. Same here. I felt like I felt the movie was bloated. It's two and a half hours long. So I felt that the movie was too long. And yet I also felt like there was a lot of connective tissue, as you say, that's missing. Like there is a lot of jumping, you know, like we have to put this scene in because this thing has to happen, but we don't have the time to connect it to the previous scene. And even as someone who's familiar with comic books and someone who was really paying attention during this movie, I was confused by the progression because I kept feeling like we were missing out on a connected scene. Mm -hmm. And that was really frustrating for me. There was also some questions I had that never get answered in that movie. Uh, one big one that I'm not going to ask because it's a it's an integral part. But maybe after we record, I'll ask you, Ariel, what you thought. Um, and yeah, I, I found it largely unsatisfying. I thought, as you say, the performances were fine. I thought the tone was also very strange. Like the tone went all over the place from very lighthearted and almost Home Alone-esque with the opening heist sequence mm -hmm. to really dark and disturbing stuff. Um, yeah. So it was very, it, it seemed like a very inconsistent film to me. That being said, uh, I also thought that the first Wonder Woman film was a billion times better uh, apart from the fact that their third act and, and the first Wonder Woman movie also kind of goes off the rails. But my hope is that Wonder Woman three will be more like the first film and less like the second film. It also makes me worried a little bit about Rogue Squadron, another movie that Patty Jenkins is directing. Although, again, we should also remember that writing and directing are two different things. Yes. And, and you know, it's been this weird balance in the Justice League between Snyder's vision for the DCEU and what the writer's visions are for each individual movie and some of the audience saying, we don't want something quite this dark. So it's been a weird balancing act they've been trying to figure out. You know, I'm still I'm still enjoying it enough that I'm happy to let them continue to try as long as they're willing. 
uh, because I have enjoyed, you know, I, I liked Aquaman enough. I enjoyed the character. Again, the character work in Justice League was really good, even though the story was ho-hum for me. You know, I liked the first Wonder Woman, things like that. But that being said, um, kind of to tie the last story in with this one, I read right before we started recording that even though they're releasing movies to movie theaters in 2023, they are also planning on releasing at least two DC movies a year to HBO Max with smaller, more risky characters like Batgirl or Static Shock or things like that. So we'll see what happens. I'm I'm kind of glad that HBO Max is rolling in the DC television, and they might do television series too, all of the DC uh, streaming network stuff because I, that gives me a chance to watch it and, and yeah, give very, it a chance. So. Very similar to Disney Plus and the Marvel world. Um, well, we've got a lot to talk about with some nostalgic pieces, some nostalgic news items, as well as a, a larger discussion. But before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like... Ah, 
being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay, so we're going to start talking about retro and nostalgic pieces. We've got a couple of other news items that fall in with this. One of those being the Cobra Kai series which originally released on YouTube Premium. It was a YouTube Premium exclusive. Now it is a Netflix original, starting with season three. And we learned that they're going to actually release season three one week earlier than had uh, previously been reported. Yeah, January 1st. So happy New Year's, everyone. Uh, You know, Cobra Kai is one of those ones where I have a lot of, of fun nostalgia for the Karate Kid. It took me a little bit to get into the series, but I think they're doing a really good job with it. And I think, you know, seeing Zabka go in all the times from all like having little uh, cameos and all these other shows, I've I, it does make me go, huh, I wonder how Johnny would have turned out. And so I've been really enjoying the series for that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's fun that's building on that Internet meme of uh, who was the real villain in Karate mm-hmm. Kid. Yeah. Another, man, it's just like this week, looking at all of the geek news, it's all been nostalgia. Another one of those was news about the Barbie, vague news about the Barbie movie that is in theory coming out sometime in the future that they've been trying to make for it feels a few years now. Yeah. Uh, originally, there were talks of a live action Barbie movie. I mean, at least as as early as 2015, if not sooner or earlier, rather not sooner. But uh, but those projects never really came to fruition, but currently there's a, a project that's helmed by uh, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach who have written lots of movies together mm-hmm. and separately and directed movies separately uh, who are working on this. And Margot Robbie is the actress who is attached to this. And um, we don't know much except to, that Robbie said that uh, the movie is both faithful to the intellectual property and yet is not what you think it is, which seems like that's an impossible combo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, of all these things of, of, you know, we'll get, we'll get into this once we get past the last couple of news items of all the things that are nostalgic. And I'm like, I really don't want them to mess with the original story. Barbie is one that I don't particularly care if they, I mean, the whole point of Barbie is to imagine new things. So I. Yeah, I I personally, I thought that the way Barbie was uh, imagined in the Toy Story movies worked really, really well. Like it mm-hmm. was a fun imagining of that character. A live action one, I've definitely like, I don't even know what to expect. I mean, for one thing, the 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 toy has a lot of baggage attached to it when it comes to things like building up unrealistic body image expectations and that sort of thing. I mean, there is a long, long um, history of criticism directed toward the toy for that reason. So it does make me curious how they will, or if they will even address that at all uh, overtly or in subtext in the movie. I don't know. I just don't know. 
I guess I guess we'll see if if this one actually launches and takes off and gets through production. Uh, you know, we also got another trailer for WandaVision that's coming up this week. And that, you know, that show is also banking a lot on nostalgia and Leave it to Beaver and, and Grady Bunch. You know, it, it, it goes through all of these old sitcoms as, as Wanda's trying to imagine a, a perfect world to live in with Vision. So at least that's what we assume is going on. It's really hard to tell because we don't know if the world she inhabits, which is clearly a sitcom inspired world. Uh, like the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family and the uh, the Leave it to Beaver and all those kind of shows, uh, uh, maybe even a little bit of I Love Lucy in there, too. All of these things are, are clearly part of it, but we don't know if this is Wanda's own creation as she's, you know, falling into madness, which would be kind of similar to a storyline that actually played out in the comics or if she's been trapped there by some other entity. I've seen one guy who's really, really swinging hard for it being Mephisto who's behind everything. Um, we just don't know, but yes, that nostalgia element is definitely a big part of that trailer. And then finally we have a trailer. This was actually the one that kind of got us into thinking about this episode in the first place because Ariel saw the trailer and then sent it my way for me to look at. And it's a film called max cloud, which I had no awareness of until Ariel sent me the link. It looks like a lower budget movie, but it has some some I would say pretty middling to high names attached to it. Uh, it's got the woman from the new James Bond movie, who is also in Captain Marvel, and someone from Westworld, and someone from Legends of Tomorrow. It's so it's got all of these successful actors in it, but it looks kind of like a a B level movie, and it's. Uh, you know, we're talking about nostalgia and everything we've mentioned so far is banking off of a property that previously existed. And this movie is banking off of people's love for um, 80s video gaming and and that sort of feel of movie. So it almost feels kind of like a Tron movie or, or the last Starfighter where a girl gets sucked into a video game and becomes one of the characters or like Jumanji. And, um, Hilarity ensues. Her friend finds the game and she's got to convince her friend that she, the character in this old 80s game, is her and that she's sucked in the game and they have to fight bad guys. And she has um, to find some way to get back out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because if you watch the trailer, it's a combination of so many things. I said in our notes that it's a combination of like Wreck-It Ralph and Toy Story and Jumanji. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's also, I would think, kind of a... a, uh, kind of a throwback to movies like big where Mm -hmm. a character makes a wish, the wish comes true somehow. And then the character realizes that the consequences of that wish were not what they expected and they have to find some way to reverse it. So it's like a combination of all those things. And it is very much, uh, tagged into the nostalgia of a a genre of video games from the eighties. So not a specific title, but more like, the general way that that smash them up, fight them up, uh, side scrolling video games worked, you know, stuff like Double Dragon, that kind of stuff back in the 80s. And um, yeah, but it's very much trading heavily on nostalgia. But for me, like I have interest in seeing it because not because I think it's going to be phenomenal cinema, but because unlike Cobra Kai, which I do enjoy or Coming to America 2, which I'm sure I will enjoy, uh, it's something new built off of the love of something old. So I guess the question for you, Jonathan, is uh, so much of our media now is 
is focusing on these things that we loved in the past. And I know there's always that internet thing going around of there are no new stories, just old stories that people are rehashing. You know, I'd say Stranger Things is a new story, even though it focuses on the 80s or, sure. yeah. you know, th- things like that. Do you do you like stuff that banks heavily on the nostalgia or would you prefer something that's new that's set in the future or nowadays or, or I, something like that? I, I don't have any problem with something that that taps into nostalgia if it's doing so from a genuine place and that the setting uh, is a, an integral component to the storytelling. To me, like that's what makes it work. And this is not anything new. It's, I mean, we notice it because now we're seeing the media reflect the stuff that was popular when Ariel and I were kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this happens all the time. Like when I was a kid, one of the big movies that was really popular was Grease, which in turn was a nostalgic piece about being a teenager in the 1950s. Uh, in the in the uh, you know 90s and early 2000s, you look at things like that 70s show, and again, you're looking back at a something that happened 20 to 30 years previously. So this is a cycle we see all the time, where the media of the day is reflecting the childhood loves of the people who are watching it. So you look at how the age of the average viewer, subtract 20 to 30 years, and that's what's, that's the stuff that you're going to see in the media. And this happens a lot. And if it is done well, I like it. And there are certain ones that really play with the nostalgic criteria, and they do it well. There's a, a movie called Turbo Kid that is this crazy schlocky science fiction action movie, exceedingly violent, but in a very kind of tongue in cheek cartoonish way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes across as like, you watch it and you're like, I could totally see this having been made in the 1980s, except the sensibility of it is a little too advanced for the 1980s. And uh, the effects are actually a little too advanced for the 1980s. But other than that, it feels like it could have been lifted from that era of really weird over the top science fiction films, stuff like big trouble in little China or Buckaroo Banzai. Um, and so when it, when it does that, when it feels like it's, it's a genuine story to me, it's no different than if you were doing a period piece that was set in like, you know, medieval Spain or something, you're just, you're, you've, you, it's, it's the, the period and the setting of the story you want to tell it's when you just are trying to cash in on that and your story doesn't have much story to it and you're just relying on that nostalgia to carry you through. That's when it falls flat for me. What about you? Um, I, I feel the same way. You know, I I was raised on so much sci-fi that I kind of like looking to the future, but I don't mind if it's got a hint of the past in there. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, for instance, the the not new now, but newer Star Trek movies where they went back to the old James Kirk, you know, were they the most mind blowing cinema ever? No, but it was new stories with old characters. I love that still look to the future. And that was kind of fun for the most part. They did just straight up Wrath of Khan in the second one, but um. yeah. Yeah. Well, except that they also made Spock a uh, raving lunatic in the second one. He was this (laughs) angry punching action hero, which is about as, non-Spock as you get. But, you know, I do, I do like, you know, some movies that are made just for the, the, the one quick laugh, something I don't have to think about very much. That's why I like watching bad movies, you know? So Kung Fury, which 
actually haven't watched is an example of that where I'm like, I would watch this. It would be funny because I haven't had what nostalgia they throw in there ruined for me, but it would probably be like a one time watch. And then there are other examples like Stranger Things is set in the 1980s and is also clearly a love letter to some of the most influential filmmakers of the 80s, like Steven Spielberg's influence on the the filmmakers or the the series makers for Stranger Things mm-hmm. is incredibly obvious if you watch yeah. that show. They're nods um, to Alien in season two. Yeah, um, there's or, they're nods to The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing as well. So yeah, uh, plus all the Lovecraftian imagery. There's all the D and D imagery. There's there's a ton of influences, but again, it feels genuine within that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it when the film version yeah. of It came out they made a decision to shift the timeline of it. Now, when it came out as a novel, it came out in 1986. So the 1986 novel of it, the childhoods were taking place in the in the, the 50s, not in the 80s, because you go back 30 years, or mm-hmm. I think it's 27 years, something like that. It's I forget now how many years the Pennywise goes into hibernation and comes back out. But anyway, the childhood was set at a different time period, because the current events were set in 1986. When the movie comes out, they just shift everything up so that the adults are modern day, childhood is 1980s. Um, and again, that was a way to connect to the audience of today because if you if you set it where modern day was the 1980s and the childhood was 1950s, you would no longer connect with the majority of your audience. So yeah. that was a very calculated decision. And, and I think, you know, with it and with Stranger Things, more with Stranger Things than with it, when you put in that nostalgia, like, albeit, you know, they're both set in the 80s, which, you know, is my, my childhood time. But when you when you put in the little things like the alien or the, or the thing or blob or whatever, uh, you know, all these little nods and they're subtle and you have to pick up on them and you have to work for it. It's much more rewarding. We have a mashup that we need to present. But first, I think we're going to chill for a second and take a quick break. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Mother's Day is coming and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. You came up with a mashup to create the ultimate nostalgic experience. Can you explain? Yes. So uh, Jonathan and I are going, what are we going to, what are we going to mash up? You know, we can mash up the man while we've already done that. You guys haven't heard it yet. It'll come out in the future. But you know, uh, what, what can we do that isn't, doesn't already exist? Because the more you rehash old properties, the more they get blended together. So we took something that was just truly nostalgia back to the future is it because, you know, we're nostalgic about it now. Yes. Um, and then we took something that is nostalgic about Back to the Future, but modern, Stranger Things. And yes. we said, what would this be like? Would this even work? <laughs> I guess we'll find out. So do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Um, I guess I will go first because I'm pretty <laughs> sure yours is going to be better than mine. Um, stop saying that. Every single time you go first, I'm like, Oh, that's such a good idea. All right. I want to hear yours. <laughs> I just like your ideas so much. I'm just supporting you. Okay. So Mutual Appreciation upside, Society. Yes. <laughs> upside down to the future. Marty McFly and Doc Brown are at it again. After a tweak to their DeLorean, uh, where they add tachyon particles to improve its time jumping capability, they are off to 31 years in the future. Once again, you know, back to the future too, they went 30 years in the future to make sure they didn't mess it up with their time traveling antics. They just can't 
leave well enough alone. But the tachyon particles, in conjunction with the flux capacitor, open a dimensional rift and they end up in what looks like a weird jumble between Indiana and Georgia. As they exit the car, they realize they are still in the 80s. A darker, more bleak version of the 80s. What has happened? They must be in an alternate universe. As they scour the city, this Indiana-Georgia hybrid city, looking for parts to fix their DeLorean so they can return to their timeline instead of their time, they come across a bunch of kids looking for their friend, Will. When they see Doc and Marty, they stop looking and start to freak out, pointing and screaming, running towards Doc and Marty, seemingly knowing who they are. Doc and Marty, not wanting to upset the timeline further, run into the woods. And that's when they see it. No, not not Pennywise, <laughs> the Demigorgon. <laughs> and it sees them. As the Demigorgon double takes, it starts slowly towards Marty and Doc. As it gets close to Doc and Marty, its mouth head thingy starts to slowly open. In a last-ditch effort of self-defense, Doc throws a right hook straight into the ribs of the Demigorgon, and they hear a familiar, ouch! All of a sudden, the monster's mouth opens and a beefy blonde head pops out. It's Biff Tannen. Then they see the cameras all around them. Biff says, what the heck are you two doing here on set? He explains that they are in 2016 on a TV set. Their DeLorean isn't broken and they are in fact movie stars in the future. Not having ever expected that they would be famous, they decide, huh, well, what's a hurry back to 1985 and they stick around for a while. What havoc will this wreak? We'll find out in the sequel, Back to the Present, Twin Pining for Home. Okay, first of all, <laughs> my hat is off to you. The fact that you reference that Stranger Things is shot in Georgia, but said in Indiana, in your meta fiction is perfect. <laughs> and once again, Ariel, somehow we have taken exact opposite approaches <laughs> to our pitches without sharing them. So now is my chance to share with you back to Stranger Things. <laughs> It's 1985, and Marty McFly is helping old Doc Brown with an experiment. Why is Marty friends with Doc Brown? That in itself is one of life's great mysteries, but perhaps it's so that Marty can occasionally access Doc Brown's insanely overpowered amplifiers. Anyway, Marty ends up ducking into a time machine made out of a DeLorean to escape some terrorists who come after Doc Brown for the theft of plutonium. Marty goes back to the past to 1955. So pretty much at this point, everything is playing out like the original Back to the Future film, except this time in the past, Marty encounters a young, ambitious scientist in his late 20s named Martin Brenner. Marty and Martin bonding over sharing the same name, because we know in movie universes, that's the closest bond you can have. Of course. Uh, they, they work together with Doc Brown to solve the time traveling issue. But all the while, we see Brenner viewing the proceedings with a calculated eye, something that Doc Brown finds concerning, but necessary in order to get Marty back home to 1985. Eventually, with the help of Doc Brown and Martin Brenner, Marty is able to return to 1985, only things have changed. His father is not, as it turns out, a popular science fiction novelist, but rather an important scientist. And he doesn't live in California anymore. When Marty returns to 1985 and he sees that Doc has survived the terrorist attack, he is told by his old friend that his father and mother left California for Indiana after his dad accepted a position in a lab. His dad's boss? Martin Brenner. 
And so Marty and Doc travel to Indiana to find out what's going on. They go to Hawkins, Indiana, a town where weird stuff has been happening for a couple of years. And they learn that George McFly is Brenner's successor, Brenner having been consumed by the Demogorgon two years earlier. George is obsessed with tracking down a young teenager referred to as Eleven, even as the barriers of reality are breaking down in Hawkins. They also learn that Marty is named after the deceased Brenner, and Marty is horrified to hear that his namesake has been up to these terrible things. Marty tries to reconcile what is happening. He is heading back to his little motel room in Hawkins when he encounters a group of kids. Mike Wheeler, Dustin Henderson, Lucas Sinclair, Will Byers, and the aforementioned Eleven. They're investigating why rats keep exploding. From there, <laughs> we are pulled into a complicated story about how scientists using technology adapted from Doc Brown's time travel devices have opened up a portal to other dimensions that now threaten the safety of everyone in Hawkins and beyond. And Marty is faced with a new challenge to go back in time again and prevent Martin Brenner from being part of his solution without being spotted by his past self in the process. Oh, and it's super hard to do because now magnets don't work and that messes with the time circuits <laughs> in the DeLorean. So at the end of the movie, Doc Brown, Marty, and science teacher Scott Clark, played by my <laughs> friend Randy Havens, figure out how to send Marty back to 1955 again, setting up the inevitable sequel. The end. Oh, I love it. And if that is not the actual next season of Stranger Things, Stranger Se Things season four, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> I mean, like it's to me, it's fascinating that we both went in different directions. Like you went mm -hmm. you went with the parallel universe approach and I went with the well, Back to the Future 2 taught us about alternate futures because mm -hmm. of altering the past. And uh, and I thought, well, if we just throw Martin Brenner, who is, by the way, the bad guy in season one of mm -hmm. Stranger Things. He's the scientist who's going after Eleven. If we just transport him, and he would have been about 29, I, I, I guessed, like I did some calculations, he would have been in his late 20s in 1955, uh, then that makes it all work out for the storyline yeah. of, uh, of Stranger Things and Back to the Future. So that's why I went with it. I, I really like it. You know, I, I feel like... This was the exact right amount of original story and nostalgia for me. <laughs> <laughs> but we are curious what you guys think. If you have your own ideas of what a mashup between Back to the Future and Stranger Things would look like, or if you have any suggestions for future mashups or just things that you would like us to cover, you know, important topics in the Geekosphere. So you should reach out to us. How do they do that, Ariel? Well, they can send us a DM or a message on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. On Twitter, we're LNC underscore podcast. And on Instagram and Facebook, we're just Large Nerdron Collider. And, you know, if you like us, make sure to tell your friends about us, get them to listen, and leave us a review. Yes, it really goes a long way to helping the show get noticed. And we want to reach as many geeks as possible so we can share the love. And uh, until next time, I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I have been Ariel Kasten, it, unless my doppelganger is changing the future right now. Dun, dun, dun. Marty!
The Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. This episode was produced by Tari Harrison and edited by Max Williams. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Compatibility. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.